it's just a funny video. It's not something where I'm like calculating, like, oh, I want to fucking hurt someone. <laughs> it's like, I was just, I don't know, man. It's just fucking dumb. No brain, all vibes, brother. What is up, my friends? Thanks so much for tuning in. This is another episode of the Scope Exposure Podcast. Um, you know, we all we all love to see our friends win in, in hardcore. We like when our friends' bands get sweet deals, play dope sets. Um, and even in the mix of that, I think it's always cool to see people that work very, very hard. And you might not have as deep of a one-on-one connection, but they there's just an authentic side to them. And when they get a really cool opportunity, um, like the guest that I'm having on today is you can't help but smile to, to know that they fully earned that. Um, stick to your guns has been a huge band for me getting into hardcore and just more heavier music in general. And I've also been following Adam and his drumming stuff for a long, long time. And when the announcement of him officially joining the band came to be, I was like, I, I need I need to hit up Adam when I want to have a sit down conversation with him. So I'm very excited to be welcoming Adam from Stick to Your Guns, Internal Affairs, Dare, Abrasion, Twist of Cane, One Choice. How many goddamn bands <laughs> is this guy in? Adam, thanks for joining hey, me too today, much. Man. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me on. Of course. Uh, I'm in way too many bands. I kind of need to thin the herd at this point, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> have I missed any? Like, uh, I know you're playing in no, the whole city for, for a minute, so... Yeah, I was in Berthold for a minute. Um, I mean, the only thing I kind of do on the side, like I fill in for a pawn stone when they need someone as well, but that's not like a permanent thing. That's just helping them out when they need someone. Right. It, it's, yeah. I don't know if it's a thing where it's like a drummer, like I don't think drummers and guitar players or bass players have the same like, oh, like, do you also want to start this project? Like, because it's yeah. just like, you know, y'all are so few and far between and y'all, you specifically have chops to show. So I can understand that yeah. a lot of people want to play in bands with you. So yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Of course. So Adam, before we get into all the music chats, it's custom here to check Bev for the episode. Mm -hmm. So I think you have two. So I'm excited what you're yeah. bringing to the show today. Uh, just pink grapefruit Perrier. It's the only flavor of Perrier that I really like. And then uh, I had a long ass work day and uh, just a little cold brew with almond milk. Very, very cool. In a, in a fancy yeah. ass glass, I'll say. Simple. I mean, honestly, that's my wife. That's all her. <laughs> I could give a fuck. Like I could have plastic Ikea cups and wouldn't care, but right. she straight up makes this place a home. So right. I mean, good on her. <laughs> yeah, it is always the the partners that actually like take us slubbish band guys that, that are just accustomed to a couch and whatever to be like, oh, this actually feels like oh, yeah. a livable situation. So um, yeah, it's like it's like anytime we have a friend stay over, I'm always like, fuck it, they could just sleep on the couch. She's like, no, we need to get clean sheets. We need to get the bed ready. <laughs> like I'm like, dude, I promise Put you, little they towels don't out. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm right there. Yeah, with exactly. You anytime that's yeah. happening. Um, I think sure. I, I think only mentioned the, the glass itself because I think 
I might have those glasses at my work on the bar side. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, that looks familiar. And that's like only yeah. fancy drinks go in there. So yeah. Uh, so sure. being out in Ontario right now, uh, I've, I've gotten to drink this a few times here on the show and you know, I've had my morning coffee. It's a little later in the day for myself, but I need a little bit of a coffee kick for the rest of the day. So I'm drinking what's called a brust, uh, which is a protein coffee. It's their dark roast oh, nice. cold brew blend. So nice. it's 20 grams of protein, 100 calories, no sugar. Just like, yep. just a little, you know, kick in the butt to kind of end the day off. So I, I don't know that. about you. Like I, I'm not super like jolted by coffee nowadays it can be like yeah that like i was up yeah. a little later than normal but nothing like i can't sleep at all i mean i'm pretty hypersensitive to caffeine i just still fuck with it anyways because <laughs> it is what it is like yeah, yeah. i'll dance <laughs> it's with not the, the smartest yeah exactly it's not the smartest but i mean it tastes good so fuck it i That's can lose right. some sleep <laughs> well we can lose sleep together cheers to you adam excited to do this pod. cheers man fuck yeah let's do it so <sighs> Pink grapefruit for the Perrier. You've you've gone through the other yep. flavors, I'm guessing, to to come to that yeah. conclusion. Yeah, for some reason, I just don't like the other ones. I only like the pink grapefruit one. Like the regular Perrier to me just kind of tastes like, I don't know, I don't really like it. Mm. But the pink grapefruit one is just like mellow, mm. if that makes sense. Just like a very yeah. subtle kind of uh, flavor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it doesn't burn you drinking it. So. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. There, there are some sparkling waters that I just can't do because like, I'll have like a bubbly and like, I'll be burping immediately. Like it's too, oh, yeah. like someone shot it with a, like a shotgun of CO2, you know, it's just too much. Yeah. I mean, I love Topo Chico, but I feel that way about them. Like mm-hmm. if I drink one of those, I know it's going to hurt going down <laughs> pretty much, but right. gotta do it sometimes. Yeah, that's true. So Adam, um, let's talk about some bands. Um, you know, before, since it's your first time here on the show, I always like to get a little bit of origin for people that have never been on the show. You know, like, yeah. I don't, I actually don't know if you've ever done many other interviews or podcasts or things of that nature. Oh, dude, not a lot. Like, surprisingly, almost none. I think I did one in like 2018, and that was strict, strictly about like musicianship. Like, drumming was like a part of it, but it was literally just about being a musician right if that makes sense yeah and half the bands that we listed in the intro like didn't even exist at that point so (laughs) yeah exactly exactly yeah so talk to me about like just generally how you got into hardcore heavy music however you want to spin it talk to me about the first times you were kind of hearing it and how you were discovering it yeah for sure i mean i mean that's kind of a long one i technically very technically it's been around my entire life because I grew up the youngest of six kids and the ages range from my oldest brother's 48 and I'm 29. Wow. So by the time I was three, four years old, my oldest brother was singing in a nineties youth crew band. So growing up, I would see revelation records or ambassador records, indecision record band posters, like all over the house just because it was there. So I would see these posters of people doing like, you know, like the nineties, like hardcore jump. Sure. Like I would see them all over the place and be like, Oh, I wonder what, like what's H2O. Like that's kind of a funny band name or like what's strife. Like I would just see these posters laying around, you know? Mm -hmm. So I would see it from a young age, but was never at the point where 
I'm not going to be four years old going, oh, I want to listen to Stripe. Like you just see a poster that looks cool and go, oh, that looks cool. You know, right. <laughs> uh, I would say the first time I started to take notice to any real alternative music, um, my older sister, she's about eight years older than me. She was in high school at the time where there was the like warp tour emo explosion. Sure. So growing up, I would hear the used and taking back Sunday. Uh, the first one that really kind of latched on was AFI. Like when Sing the Sorrow came out, I remember being eight years old, nine years old. And just that was the first record where I was like, hey, can you please put that on? Like, I want to hear it more. <laughs> like, um, I got into that. I also had kind of a weird, almost sheltered upbringing because my family straight up didn't want to have internet in the house until like 2010. And at that point, I was already playing shows. Wow. Okay. Was there any so like, specific I, reason or? I mean, my parents were just kind of weird about it, like embracing technology, if that makes sense. Because my dad is uh, an older dude and he just straight up wants no part in it. Doesn't know how to work a computer. Doesn't know how to check his emails. Like Right. He's kind of inept when it comes to that stuff. And my mom just knew enough to get by and to like help run the family business. But for the most part, they just wanted no part in it. So hmm. I had to get into music by any means necessary, which was like bugging my brothers or hearing things on the radio. Sure. So shortly after AFI, I think the next year is when Slipknot put out uh, volume three. And then I remember hearing duality on the radio at my parents' shop and I heard the guitar riff and was like, what the fuck? Like, what is that riff? The dun, 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 like the super syncopated, like punchy riff. Right. I just ran in the back and listened to the whole song. I was like, I, what is this? Yeah. You're, and you're so I had to, yeah. I, I basically had to sit and hang out in the back of the shop until that song would come on the radio again. So I could ask my brother's, what it was right like just super ancient ways of finding new music yeah this is the no shazamming like, yeah. no none yeah of that. none of that yeah, yeah. <laughs> just praying uh, that your brothers are wise enough to to be able to to tell you what it was yeah and when they saw that i had interest they obviously helped me out because i mean this is back when cds were everything i mean they had the cd books that were fucking that fat with everything you could want on it so totally. like at that point, when I showed interest in Slipknot, they had the whole they had their whole discographies already. Right. So that was pretty much like the start of my interest in anything heavy was like, I'll say AFI and Slipknot were the first two where I just couldn't believe what I was hearing. Pretty much, yeah, that's that's so wild. Like, um, just how 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 different it was for people that like really wanted to to be a part of just not even like hardcore but just like music in general like it was just a way different way of how things are now where you could just see a video of a band and that's like your intro into being able to just discover it on your own it was like hearing it on the radio while all the other things in the world are going on but you're like so glued to it and focused like i need to listen to this and like study it to a degree yeah, exactly. I mean, I genuinely could not believe the 
dun 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 riff but then like joey's double bass in the middle of it like the random little threat like little yeah. fills he does those were like i just i couldn't believe like actually believe what i was hearing <laughs> right so i would just like sit there and like oh my god <laughs> you know yeah uh what what kind of business were, were your parents running if you don't mind me asking yeah it's all good it's the same thing that uh my brother and i currently do so uh heavy glass commercial glass installation got you okay. basically um everything glass related except for auto glass so no windshields or none of that got you yeah, yeah. well yeah it's it's good I, I don't know if currently the the shop music is you know a liquid metal station or, of, <laughs> of anything like that but uh yeah it's just yeah. it's crazy just to reminisce of a time where like something as simple as just being on the radio could actually do some damage. And, you know, now oh, yeah. it's, it's a little different. Like, it's not like not being on the radio is like a make or break. It's just like the focuses and attention just shifts over time. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter as much as it did back in the day. Like I played for a pop punk band for a few years. And when we did that, like we had songs on K rock and it literally amounted to almost nothing in terms of draw. Like it meant, <laughs> right zero like our streams skyrocketed but the fucking actual attendance didn't really change much right like it's crazy to see the jump in that mm -hmm. you know yeah it's it's pretty funny when people talk about bands that you know may have either tried to get popular off of social media or like it was just by accident off of like a clip from a show a meme or whatever but you know there there are some it's funny to talk to people that don't come from the hardcore background, but like maybe they're playing in hardcore bands now where they could look at a band like Pain of Truth and be like, in relation to like some of the bands that they listen to now, the monthlies seem a lot lower, but they're like one of the hypest bands in the scene right now and their shows are crazy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's kind of yeah. funny on how like, you know, not just going with a band that's, you know, just reeling in all the, all the engagement posts is going to be a good pick on a fest or or a show or anything like that yeah for sure man yeah. yeah so um so you're mentioning that your brother was already singing in in bands and he's a little bit older than you so what was the yeah. introduction into like hey i want to smack pots and pans or, or were you doing that when you were in diapers no surprisingly that he didn't have much of a say in that because at the same time i had them around mm they also got out of the house very fast. So from the time I was 10, I basically grew up as almost an only child because all my siblings are significantly older than me. They oh, were out yeah. of the, they were out of the fucking house. Mm. So like my brother is why I started playing in bands because he was the singer for one choice. Mm -hmm. But as far as drumming goes, I actually wanted to uh, play guitar first uh one of my other brothers gave me like a hundred dollar squire that he had and i just could not figure out a single thing with it i i none of it felt right it didn't feel right in my hands holding a pick felt weird like i feel like an actual gorilla holding the instrument like <laughs> sure. it just didn't it didn't register with my head sure um drumming started mainly by listening to the radio with my mom. And then it's a really bad habit that I still have, but I would just start tapping on the dashboard or whatever. 
I could tap on to try and make the same sounds that the drums were making. Right. So like if I smacked leather on the seat with my thumb, it sounded close to the bass drum. Right. And if I like knocked on the window, it would sound like the snare drum. Right. So I would just do that while we're going all over the place. And my mom was finally like, oh shit, like he's keeping in time with the music. She caught onto that. Oh, okay. And then for my 11th birthday, I went to my first show. It was Shadows Fall, Lamb of God, and Slipknot at the College Arena in San Diego. It was the Subliminal Versus Tour. And that's when Joey was still doing drum solos. So it was like the actual specific moment of the drum set, like going up and then flipping with the giant pentagram in the back where I was like, yes. I've, I've got to fucking do it one day. Like I'm going to learn it. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it like, I've said it a million times, like on my Instagram or whatever, but Joey Jordison is for sure the number one reason why I started playing drums. Mm. Cause if I hadn't have seen that, I maybe would have gotten into it eventually but he's the reason why I went home and said, I'm going to learn how to play the drums. I need to do it. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It, it It's funny when you're at a show and especially a, a drummer, a, a drummer who's sick, uh, already catches your attention, but a drummer that is sick, but also has, you know, good, good stage persona. I wouldn't say stage. Well, you could say stage presence, I guess, even though they're, you know, strapped to the, they're literally strapped to the kit. They can't like jump around. They can't kind of do these things. You can to a degree, but like sometimes it's like, I mean, Joey, Joey was a huge part of their stage presence. Oh, a thousand. Like there's no doubt about that. Like the way he plays like the big double handed, whatever, that's a part of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The, the stage flipping 90 degrees is just (laughs) like the cherry on top of an already great Sunday. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, I I remember seeing, I think I can't remember which album it was, but it was just that studio video of him, where he's playing like a a really crazy like green sparkle kit, and it's just him yeah, blast. The, yeah. Like I would watch that. I think I've probably watched that a hundred times in my lifetime. It's like I've watched every, it a lot too. Yeah, dude, it's absolutely wild. Um, I'm not one hundred percent sure. I think it was the Roadrunner United record. So that's when Roadrunner took like all the all-stars and made them basically release like comp songs. Mm. So it was dudes from suffocation and fear factory and machine head and slipknot all like working together to write new music. And I'm pretty sure that's where that was from. Yeah. It, it, it's yeah. so funny. Cause he goes from the dan to yeah. And then he'll just go like, and just go straight into blasting immediately. <laughs> oh yeah, man. So, so you see that, in the flesh, you're like, I have to do this. Like, fuck this guitar. You throw it to the wind. You pick up the drums. Um, yeah. And and your mom like taking notice that you're like you're not just being an annoyance to her. It's just like, oh, you like, Adam's got some chops. So maybe I should like see where that goes. Like, so what was like yeah. getting your first drum set like, and and how quickly did that happen? Uh, at that point, I just kept bugging to go to music stores because no one I knew had a drum set. Mm-hmm. So I just kept bugging, let's try and find a music store. I want to try and play a drum set, whatever. Uh, I eventually ended up going to a Sam Ash out in West Covina because my aunt used to live literally five minutes from it. Mm. So uh, on the way to visit the family, 
my mom more or less said, all right, let's go in and see what actually happens when you sit at a drum set. And it was one of those things where luckily, like I've had a good memory with, I've had good luck having a good memory for learning songs. Mm. But from the first time I sat down on a drum set, I was able to play basic Green Day songs front to back, just based off of memory. Even if it wasn't perfect or if it was sloppy, it was enough for my mom to say, oh, he... He's already learning how to play them, but he doesn't have a drum set. Right. So from there, it was just her convincing my dad, more or less. Like, we got to get him into something. Because at the time, I didn't have any hobbies as a young kid. All I did was play PS2 and sit on the couch and just eat like shit. (laughs) So, so, So my parents were trying to get me as active and kind of social and out of the house as they could right you know yeah Yeah. and they figured if at least i learn an instrument that's something i could talk to other kids about you know yeah and that's just like at the end of the day that's just good parenting instead of like trying to be like oh like you know like they're seeing you have a little interest in something they're like okay well you know it's it's good to be able to kind of foster something like this because at the end of the day, like kids are going to find something to do at, at some point. So like I can definitely attest that playing in bands and, and, and doing a lot of this stuff, like kept me out of doing a bunch of other like stupid stuff that I could have been doing. And a lot of my oh, friends yeah. were getting up to uh, in my teenage years for sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is the one thing that's kind of kept me on a straight path because I mean, if you can't get across a border, it's hard to be a professional musician, you right. know? Right. So, like, you, I mean, there's ways to do it, obviously. <laughs> there's right. plenty of criminals that still tour, but you kind of have to stay on the straight and narrow as much as you can, you know? Mm-hmm. W- was it, like, straight out the get-go that you wanted, like, did you have that idea of, like, being a professional musician, like, using the term that you just did? Or was it more like, did... Like maybe that just came later for you, but you just want to play. I, I knew that it was the only thing that I wanted to do. It was the first thing that I said, I just want to do this. I don't care about school. I don't care about whatever I was doing. I mean, being in the Boy Scouts, I could care less about that at that point. It was just drums was the only thing I cared about. And then I remember one of my older brothers had a friend that, played in a local band in Lake Elsinore called uh, Cobet. He ended up actually singing four of Mice and Men for a minute. He was the guy that got replaced like at the very start. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, Shay, uh, Shaylee. I can't remember his other band. I think it's Dayshell or something like that. Okay. So so my brother was friends with him, and he was the first person that told me like, yo, he's actually making money off of playing music. Mm. And I could not believe it. And it's not that money is like the main inspiration. But it's like, if I can just survive and play music, then that's all I want to do. I could give a fuck about having nice things or living in a crazy house. Right. I just want to survive doing what I care about. Right. So I would say probably, honestly, not from the get-go. Like, I bought a pair of drumsticks and I have a practice pad when I'm 11 years old and I'm saying I'm going to make my living off of this. But within the first a year to two years of playing drums. It was the only way that I wanted to. It's basically the only thing that I wanted to do from that point. Wow. So like really on early on, it was like, 
I'm going to find a way and it might take a decade, but like, you know, and it yeah, kind of sure. did, you yeah. know, like, Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like yeah. it, it takes, I mean, there's no shortcut to anything. I mean, there's some people that get lucky and their career explodes overnight and there's no harm in that whatsoever. Like good for them. They're just lucky. Some people just have to grind it out more. Everyone's path isn't the same. Like it's just how it goes, you know, yeah. and you can't feel bad about it. Yeah. I think it's like, it's interesting just like in my own experience with like growing this like whole project, doing my own bands. Like I think there, there are certain things that happen where people will rush to be like, well, that's only popping because he did X, Y, Z or like it's, it's affecting of this project. And you know, like I think there's so many other people that do other things, whether they play in a band, but they also do a podcast, they do a zine or they, do yeah. photos or they have a business that's totally outside of hardcore, but it's like all those things do expose you and do connect you to more people. But the thing that has longevity is like, is the thing good? Cause I'm sure yeah. we've all seen it where someone who, who played in a hype hardcore band, you know, in the eighties or nineties, and they put out a new project in you know, the, the hardcore of our day and age, and it's not really yeah. great. There might be more people that are initially going to check it out, but if it has no lasting impact, it's going to be like, whoop. All right. Yeah. The I next mean, thing, you know? So, I mean, honestly, I was kind of in a situation like that. Like, I mean, playing in Berthold city, everyone was in bands that I looked up to. Andrew and I were in strife at the time together, mm. started the band, John from allegiance, Dennis from internal affairs. And then, um, our friend Devin played in Final Fight. He, those, that was like the first lineup. And those were all bands I looked up to and was like, oh, cool. Like when we play shows, people will probably be super into it. Mm. And even though the music was good, it was one of those situations where as soon as we started playing shows, it was pretty clear that your legacy can't just like carry you. Like it didn't matter that Andrew and I were in strife. Those first couple shows were just like, 10 kids just staring at you, you know, like it doesn't matter what, I mean, there's some people that no matter what, whatever they do is probably going to be good from the jump, but that's extremely rare. Yeah. And, and I think like, like someone like knowing Andrew myself, like I know that man has the humility to be like, not expect anything out the get go. And he's, and he's got the humility to like play to those 10, 40 kids at a show you know, exactly would like, you know, could charge obscene amounts of money to play anywhere around the world at this point. So it's, yeah, it is a very important thing for people that are building something. I always tell myself, like, you know, it's not a matter about if it's just a matter about when. And like you said, some people yeah. can get that, that, you know, opportunities come to come and go in various sizes. Some people get it a little, earlier some people get it later but you know it's about the the discipline and the diligence to like to show up and and to can you continue to try that's at least what i try to yeah. tell myself yeah exactly i mean just sustained effort is always gonna shine through at some point mm -hmm. you know yeah and and i think to your point like i think there's there's probably a sea of like new people that have probably started to follow you since, you know, you being announced of, um, you know, being drumming for stick to your guns now, but like, there's a lot of people when at least you announced it on your social media who were like, 
recognizing you for all these other bands that you've been playing in for years and years and years. Um, yeah, so that was kind of that was kind of nice seeing that like <laughs> in the comment section, seeing random like a one choice shout out or like a twist of cane or abrasion shout out. Like it's cool seeing people did pay attention, even if they weren't vocal about it. Right. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah, that's kind of the reminder for for me. It's like you know, it, it's not a matter about like getting all like the specific age like people are watching all the time people are listening to this podcast like whether i know they're going to message me about it like hey good episode i know that there's people watching yeah and like it's not about like getting too lost in the numbers because even if you had even even if 100 people listen to this episode which i know there will be more shout out to all the all the other people but if 100 people listen there might be one really important person that i need for the next thing or the next yeah. guest um so i always keep that in mind is like not get like too lost in the analytics and like the comparison games like just like continue on and like you know the right people will will recognize uh greatness when they see it so yeah for sure yeah so talk to me like getting the call from stig about the whole job uh, situation uh, yeah, it, playing drums like, yeah like were there certain things that happened over a course of time or was it out of nowhere talk to me about that so if the call itself was out of the blue but it's funny that you brought up i'll circle back to it how you brought up the like right place right time like one person being in a room like essentially i was at work one day an extremely stressful install, just a 400 pound slab of glass, like just a miserable fucking day. Yeah. And, uh, Jesse price from abrasion momentum. Uh, he called me probably about three or four times and he never like double calls. And he texted me back saying, calls. Hey, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And he hit me with like the, I have a actual serious opportunity that like, I need to know if you're interested in. Mm. So I kind of just sneak away and uh, give him a call. And I say, you got to make it really fast because I'm kind of in some shit here on this job. Like it's just not working out for me today. I mean, yeah, exactly. And he was, uh, he basically told me like, I know that you're not familiar with them because I was never like a stick to your guns kid. Uh, He says, I know you're not familiar with them, but uh, stick to your guns is looking for a drummer and Josh asked if you would have any interest in it. So more or less, even if you don't have any interest in it, I really think you should listen to some of their music and at least give it a shot. You mm-hmm. know, and I was like, all right, well just give me like five minutes. And so I just went through and like, kind of like shotgun, like swiped through songs just listening to them again. Cause I only have ever heard a handful of stick to your gun songs. Sure. So I was just like, all right, I'm going to fast forward through a couple here parts. Like let's hear the heavy parts, whatever. I remember I liked a couple songs off diamond. So like, let me run through those again and listen. And I just text him back. Like, all right, just get me in contact with him. And then, um, Josh sent me a text. I finished my job, went about my day and then pulled over into a Starbucks parking lot to call, my wife first like i'm gonna talk to him and at least try out but i don't know like how to feel about it and she of all people's like you're 
fucking dumb. Like you need to be excited. Like even if they weren't your, like, this is a big band that you want to try out for, just find things to like latch on to, like find a way to be excited. Hmm. If that makes sense. Cause at the time I was coming in out of the blue and was just scared. Like, how do I fill in for this or play for this big band? You know? So after calling her, I hopped on the phone with Josh and quickly let me know that they were doing four shows at Chain Reaction that they would need drummers for regardless of if they were full-time touring or not because each night there were songs off of two albums being played. Right. And then he also said that if I was interested to try out for more, then they're looking for someone to also finish out whatever touring cycle that they had had for the year at least. Right. And I kind of just like spouted out yes before I had an opportunity to like put a cool guy answer together or like, let me check my schedule. None of that. <laughs> right, like, right, right. Let me get back to you. All right. That. Yeah. Let me, yeah. None of, yeah. There was no, yeah, there was none of that. I just told him like, all right, send me a list of songs that you want me to learn and how you want me to send videos or what the deal is. Mm-hmm. So he sent me uh, five tracks, basically said, just do your covers or whatever, and then send them. Mm. Do you so, remember which five songs those were off the top of your head? Yeah, for sure. It was Weapon and World to Win off of the newest record. Uh, Such Pain, Amber, and Married to the Noise. And then I just did This Is More anyways, because like whenever I fill in or learn or try out for a band, my like gimmick, I guess, is that I always learn more than they say to learn. So I was like, all right, fuck it. I'll send that one too. Because I already knew that. That's that was not like a gimmick. That's just smart. <laughs> You're like, okay, I, you want five? I'll yeah, give you six. I mean, I don't want to come across as like an overachiever about it. You know, that's the main thing is like, I just want to, there's like a line of professionalism where they say to do this and do it. You don't want to come across as like overzealous, if that makes sense. That was the only thing I would get worried about. But yeah, those were the five songs that he asked for uh, for covers of, basically. Okay. So yeah. so, yeah, all this stuff is happening and you're, it's it's funny how you're like kind of just pro, like, I don't really know where these roads will go down. Like, but you had other people in your court being like, you should be excited. Like you should really try to like go after it. And so like, is that something yeah. just like, this might be a little bit more of a personal question, but like when you play in bands and these kind of things happen, like, do you not get to, do you find yourself not like smelling the roses as much? Or you're just kind of like, okay, that's cool. Let's keep it, keep it moving kind of thing. I'm just kind of, there's no, I get what you're saying. There were little moments for sure. Like, I mean, there's sometimes where you have to stop and just calm down because I get overwhelmed very easily just because of my workload with literally just my day job as well as the amount of bands I'm in. Right. Yeah. So, so it's hard for me to sit down and be like, okay, I'm going to appreciate what I have today because sometimes there's just not enough fucking time in a day to sit down and say, I'm lucky to do this, Mm. you know? So it came in little little waves for sure like uh the feeling of learning all the songs that i needed to learn like all 43 of them for those chain reaction shows the feeling of learning all of those i just sat down in my car and was like like i could breathe like now i just have to play them that's the easy part Mm. like i memorized them so that was a big one 
the first tour we did, we had a day off in Greece. Or not a day off. We got into Greece early and then like played a show that night. But just walking through Athens and hanging out was like, yeah, this is cool. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm, ex- I'm, I'm extremely lucky to be here again because I had done Europe with Strife before, but I, I'm lucky enough to have gone once. I didn't expect for someone to be like, yeah, come back again. Right. 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 Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, There's little moments like that. Yeah. And I think that's a, a not like a very, I would like to think that's a common thing for a lot of people, especially that have, you know, not just one project, they have their hands in a lot of different things. Like, um, I find myself in that and like, I only play in two bands, but like running this project is almost like, two bands of itself at times so um yeah you know i think it is i'm trying to remind myself a little bit more to like not be so like thinking futuristic or or past like to be really focused on like you know having the yeah. cool opportunity to talk to you or anyone else who's been on here on the show so like i think it is something i hope the people listening who you know if you play in more than two bands you gotta make sure that you find moments for yourself to appreciate just like you know, it's a privilege to play in a band and play music. So, like, yeah, remember. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, um, I agree. we talked about the call <laughs> you were mentioning. So, you had to, so you were mentioning how Josh was saying, like, was the initial plan to have a few different drummers for these, um, because they, they were anniversary shows for some of these albums. But were, were you like, oh, yeah. I'll do everything? Like, just give me the at bat, I'll do the whole thing. It wasn't so much, I'll do everything. It was, it was kind of a stressful time period, like typical in my life. Um, I got the call. I called him and pulled over basically as I was heading to for the children mm-hmm. the weekend of for that weekend, which was also chaotic because I had to do double duty with abrasion and internal affairs. <laughs> right. So I was already stressing about the, I don't know, 18 internal affairs songs that I learned because they're all a minute to like, I think the longest song they have is maybe two minutes. Right. But it's still a lot. It, mm-hmm. It's a lot. So I'm already stressed. And then I'm thinking about the fact that they're doing four nights at Chain Reaction. Mm-hmm. And I told him immediately from the jump that I don't know if I could handle all four, but I'll see what I can do about the rest. Sure. And at that time, I was like, okay, as long as I can learn one to two nights, that's still cool. Yeah. You know, uh, I had zero intention on learning all four. I, it just sounded like the when you hear the number 60 songs, essentially, like you would have to learn 60 songs from a band you're not familiar with off of all of their records. Mm-hmm. Th- that's a lot for almost any professional musician, any normal musician. Like it's an extremely daunting thing. Right. So I never wanted to lead them on with, oh, I could do all of it and then find out how to do it. It's the first time in my life where I said, give me a minute to figure it out. Because right. typically, like, I'll just tell bands, yeah, I got it. And then fucking stress myself out and give myself a heart <laughs> attack learning their material. Right. But, yeah, I let them know from the get-go that I probably couldn't do all four. Mm-hmm. Um, I got lucky with the fact that I pulled three of the four. Right. That, yeah. Like, the first five songs were the hardest for sure. Mm-hmm. Cause I wasn't familiar with it at all. I remember I had one day that was, I got stuck in jury duty and I just listened to the five songs that they wanted me to cover for an entire 
nine hour day, just sitting in jury duty, five songs on repeat until my brain just felt like mush kind of. <laughs> and after those first five songs, I sent video, everything was confirmed for at least one of the chain reaction shows, basically like, basically we're going to book you for at least one and then figure out how many more you want to do or whatever. Right. From there, I told Josh, send me about, send me more, like send me whatever you want to send me, I guess. Yeah. Batch two. And then he said, yeah. 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 He sent me like eight more songs. And for some reason, I don't know what happened within two days. I learned all eight, like something clicked where like that day of sitting and listening to those five songs, all of their songwriting just made sense from there. Interesting. Yeah. Cause that was one of my questions yeah. as, um, usually like, it's not just like knowing it goes from punk part to two step to breakdown. It's like, yeah. especially on the drumming side, there's different like cadences and like isms yeah. that every drummer of any genre has. So for you to kind of go into that with like an already ginormous discography, um, yeah. It's yeah, it's interesting how it's like yeah, like the first five were the hardest, but then everything else, I I I understood the formula, yeah, and then it was just like yeah, more about you know the quantity, uh, in, instead of the um, the equation per se. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I basically just had to learn how George played drums. Mm -hmm. That was the main thing. Is I had to learn how this guy plays the drums. Like, what are his mannerisms? Mm -hmm figure him out kind of like subconsciously, like just figure out what he's doing, like what fills he'll kind of go for right. whatever and then go from there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's then so, like the old stuff, the so, old stuff is a completely different bag. That was like chaotic. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so wild to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's not like I'm learning these songs. I'm learning how this old drummer plays the drums in general. That's so, yeah. So interesting. Yeah. Were sure. there were there any things that like were more difficult because you're gonna have your own preferences on how you're gonna do a, a really short fill or something like that? Like, did you have to unlearn yeah. any anything from your angle when it comes to the stick stuff? Uh, I don't know about that. There's just certain things that George does that I wasn't really like good at or practiced. If that makes sense, like. Mm. In my style of playing, it's very uh, feeling and kind of emotional based, I guess, where if I'm feeling really good one night, I'm going to add a fucking fill here. Or I'm going to do something there. Sure. And with George, it's like a calculated decision of this lines up perfectly with this guitar part, and it's got to be as close to that as possible. I, so yeah. there's certain things. I mean, like, honestly, three feet from peace, I didn't find out what the drum part was until, like, two or three weeks ago. Like I just made something up. I made something up to like account for his drum beat in the intro. Cause it's a fucking super cool beat, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And it's just not a style that I was kind of used to playing because doing abrasion, it's just basically a fucking metal band as far as the drums go, you know? <laughs> totally. Lots of double kick. Yeah. So you mentioned a lot. You had to, yeah, you, had for to, sure. you had to do the 43 stick to your gun songs. Yeah. Was was it already predetermined that some of your other bands were also going to play these shows? Or was it like Josh <laughs> trying to scratch your back? Like, hey, thanks for helping us out. Do you want to throw Twisted Cane or Abrasion on this shit? No, not so much. Like, that one was me. Kind of, It was a little bit of nepotism on my part, for sure. Like, when we 
had the actual in-person tryout when I showed up with, it was just me, Josh and Chris Hmm. just playing. And then Jesse showed up a little bit later so I could meet everybody basically, you know, um, afterwards when I was breaking all my gear down, I was like, who's playing these shows? Like, who do you have confirmed? They're like, I don't know. We're trying to get this band and this band. And I was like, well, if you need any help with openers, let me know. Cause at least if my friend's bands can't do it, then maybe I could get some of mine too or whatever, you know, um, dare I knew wanted to get on early. Like I know dare wanted to play those shows for like, basically from the announcement of them. Uh, I agreed to start playing for dare on an abrasion momentum tour in like October. So I knew I was going to end up playing them with dare anyways. That's fine. Uh, the first day I asked for Twist of Cain to get on it because everyone loves for what it's worth in the Hope Division. Isaiah was genuinely like, I only want to play the for what it's worth night. <laughs> so we'll play it, kind but of, only only this album, please. Yeah, they yeah, they were straight up like we only want to play that night. I'm like, all right, that's cool. I mean, it makes the most sense too, obviously, because it's like that was for sure probably the heaviest night. Totally. So Twist of Cane was good for that one. I had told Josh that Abrasion will play a night if they want us to as well. Cause you know, and then once it started getting booked, he's like, yo, can Abrasion actually confirm? I was like, yeah, for sure. We'll confirm it and then figure it out. Right. So it wasn't intentional from the beginning. It was more so like, how do we put together a lineup of bands that we like? Because I mean, that's partly why I got the call and getting back to the whole, right place right time abrasion played with 18 visions in august of last year and we almost dropped the show but i kept saying let's just fucking play it like sos put it on there are good friends just let's not be shitty let's just play it even if it's kind of a bunk show Mm. so we play it show turns out to be fucking awesome it was sick and then afterwards, I got to meet Josh. So we're hanging out. And then sure enough, like, oh, I love your band because one of my good friends is their photographer and merch guy. He's like, I've heard Abrasion a lot. Love the band. He knew Jesse already. Mm-hmm. So it was one of those things where it worked out because I was there, you know? Right. Yeah. It's like, it's, I like, I'm, again, I'm really thankful to be able to, um, be able to like connect with people here through the podcast but like taking it a step further when i get to actually meet people that i've had on like at the at a show like that yeah that's kind of the actual social like connection point versus like oh yeah we had a two-hour fun chat but it's like when when you do something that's online but you don't show up at the show it, it becomes a little hollow at times and uh yeah for sure like i definitely like start like I was going to shows way before I started any of this stuff. So it's like, that's never a concern of mine. Um, but it is just so funny on how just even just playing one show could be the trickle down effect of, you know, you getting to the opportunity to play for a giant ass band. And that's very, very cool. Yeah, exactly. You never know. Like that's the ultimate advice that I try to give everyone is like, just, just play the show. Like, even if you think it's going to suck, just fucking play it. Cause yeah. like, even if there's no one like popular there, you never know what kid is going to end up booking shows that'll book you on a show with a band that they like, or 
you never know when you're going to need a fill in. Right. And you have a kid in the crowd that loves your band and wants to fill in. Like just take every opportunity, even if the show is kind of like whack. I mean, you never know how it's going to end up in the long run. Yeah. Like it's, it's, yeah, it's not about like, oh, who's the popular person who's going to put us on. It's like, yeah. even just the, the, the process of like, if there's 10 people there, there could be one kid that it's like their very first hardcore show. And then they could be the person that's like, oh yeah, like I love hardcore because of the abrasions, the twist of canes, like the dare. Yeah. Like, and then, you know, it's not guaranteed, but maybe in 10 years they become the next Scott Vogel, you know, like these are how these things yeah, yeah. actually play out. And like the, the effort of being able to do like put on, even when the show is bunk or not, like, that's like very, very important to me. And I like, I hope everyone listening, like reminds themselves that when they find themselves in a situation where it's like, uh, it'd be easier to do this, but it's like hardcore, sh hardcore sh shouldn't be easy. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a degree of work to it that everyone has to put in. Like you have to be a part of your scene. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just that simple. You have to come around. You don't have to kiss ass or you don't have to be everybody's best friend, but you've, gotta support the bands if you want to see support back like it's just simple and it's not even a weird like scratch my back i scratch yours it's just how it goes like it's a relationship that you have with everybody and everybody has to put into it you mm -hmm. know hard agree so just to to wrap on the whole like giant you know undertaking that you did you played seven yeah. sets in four days yeah. Uh, learned 43 songs within a, a, a small amount of time. Yeah. It's, it's crazy to me. And I think everyone, whether you play in one band or you do a bunch of things like do the practice of like put, like seeing how much you can actually take on is like something that I think about a lot. And I think that's probably the, <laughs> you know, your new max that you probably ever hit. I don't know if you're trying to top I, that in, in a year's time or anything like that. Yeah, I, I don't want to. I have, <laughs> the, I have no intention on learning another career band's full discography. <laughs> and I'm then add more all than the other happy. bands. Yeah, exactly. I'm more than happy with where I'm at. Everyone in Stig is the best. I'm fucking, I have no need to do what I just did again, basically. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's it. Um, yeah. yeah. I think... I think the most amount of bands I've ever filmed in one day, I think I, I did 23. Jesus Christ. Off of a, I think, I think, I'm think I'm thinking about this because I think there was 34. It was like 34 or 43, one of those two over a, a whole fest weekend. But I did 23 in one day and just like collapsed at the end of it. Like literally yeah. from 12 to like 1130 at night, like, yeah it's a lot of hardcore i mean but <laughs> oh dude don't get dude don't get me wrong like yeah it sounds cool afterwards like yeah you learned 43 songs and you played seven sets and like i had to learn the dare set too i only knew like three songs right so realistically it was it was too much in like dealing with deaths of family members and weddings going on at the same time like the last chain reaction show like i almost had a fucking mental breakdown like the morning of mm. like i was just and it wasn't me being depressed or panicked or angry i think my body was finally shutting down on its own because it knew that it was the last show right like it was 
six weeks of my life and only that six weeks, like all that it was, was learning stick to your guns and my grandma passing and a bachelor party here and a bachelor party there. And then here's a wedding in out of state and I come home and then I drop my wife off at home and I go straight to LA so I could do four days of stick to your guns practice. Like it all added up to the point where right before the set, it's like, I don't know if I could like play these songs, even though I knew them like the back of my hand, mm. like it's, it's not this crazy triumphant, like, Oh, I did 43 songs and I was confident and I was happy. It was like, no, I was about to have a fucking meltdown <laughs> the whole time, you know, like mm. it, it's for sure the most stressful thing that I have ever done, but also the most rewarding. Yeah. Like, I don't think I ever need to top that. Yeah. I, I wouldn't want you to top that, even if you were in the best place, like, <laughs> you know, in your life. Like, I think that's, that's, that's the number, you know, that you can, uh, you know, go to, go to the grave with for sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, so another piece that I wanted to ask you is like, I saw on your Instagram, I, this post was, I guess, uh, a year old come November but you 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 had mentioned that you there was a moment in time where you thought about like just not doing music at all do you yeah, yeah. is there something specific or is that like ancient history that not really worth us discussing I mean I mean dude I've had a few like I went through a real weird phase in my 20s like I joined Strife very young and was able to play some fucking amazing shows with bands that I grew up looking up to and then I got this weird, like almost chip on my shoulder at 21, 22. Like I've never started a band from scratch by myself, like, or with friends, even mm. it was always, Oh, we need you to play for this band. We need you to fill in whatever. The closest I ever got was joining one choice when I was 15 because they didn't really have anything out. Right. And I was able to start building from there, but it was never, it was still established technically by the time I got to it. So, um, I started this, uh, kind of pop punk kind of rock band in 2016 and toured off of it for three years. And around the time I quit that band in 2019, because I just was missing being able to dedicate my time to the hardcore scene. Like there's no shade or disrespect towards the pop punk warp tour emo world. Everyone has their place. It just wasn't mine. Like I felt lonely as fuck, even with my best friends at the time, you know? Yeah. So I went through this crazy, like, I don't know if I want to play music anymore because I was literally just like doing it with the hopes that one day I could pay my bills off of it. Right. Like there wasn't really as much heart in it as I should have had in it. It was just like, I put my time into this. I can't quit because if I quit, then it's all for nothing. Right. And then I still ended up quitting and really felt that like, well, this is it. Like, I'm going to just focus on the family business and have a couple kids and call it a day and blah, blah, blah. And then, um, that was the first real time I ever questioned it, but it went away quick. Like I basically more or less was going to join CU space Cowboys. So I was like, all right, touring was cool. Like it's back again for me, you know, sure. Didn't end up happening, which is fine. Life works out that way. COVID happens. And I just wanted music more than anything else. Again, mm. that's all I wanted. 2021 right when music comes back there is just so much going on in my personal life that i can't 
handle like day-to-day stresses, if that makes sense. Like every single member of my family caught COVID except for me and my wife. And this was like, this wasn't Omicron variant. Like you get a head cold and you walk it off. Yeah, This was this like, yeah. This was the crazy one. It was the it was Delta or whatever. It was the crazy shit where like dudes our age were just dropping. Mm-hmm. So my whole family got that. And I was like, well, my mom and dad are like getting older. My dad's not the healthiest dude. Like this is it. Like he's probably going to go. So I have that stress. I have to take on the weight of his business on top of mine and my brother's. Right. And then my brother catches COVID and his whole family catches COVID. So now I'm essentially running two companies by myself as a 26 or 27 year old dude. That's never had experience running a business. Yeah. And at that point I just didn't want to do everyday life. It wasn't like suicidal. It was just every day was fucking hard. Right. Like every day was hard. Mm -hmm. It's just one of those things where it's like, I don't want to fucking play music. Like I'm just going to quit. I'm going to fucking settle down, run the family businesses because my family needs me right now. Yeah. And I'm just going to start a family with my wife and just move on and not stop going to shows whenever they would come back. Because at that time shows were still not really happening Yeah, too much. Like they were few and far between. Um, I just was at a point where it's like, okay, this is like actual grown up life. I got to just settle down and like not focus on touring for the sake of my family. Yeah. You know, like that's like, it, it was just a weird wall. Yeah. And, and I appreciate you being so open about it. Cause like, I think there was a lot like everyone was affected in some way, but whether it was like losing a family member, losing a job, losing some, some normalcy in their life. Like everyone was on some kind of weird thing. And it's cool to see how a lot of people, you know, with that added pressure started like, you know, side projects that ended up becoming the main projects when shows came back or maybe they started a label, maybe they started a podcast, whatever it was. So, you know, if you're looking at, if you're trying to be more optimistic and look at all the positives, yeah, like there's a lot to be said there. But like, obviously, on a on a like a person to person level, there was a lot of of pressure. Just how am I going to make my rent? What's going on with my family? Yeah. Whether you know they're catching COVID, maybe they don't think COVID's a whole thing, and then there's that whole dynamic. So like, I yeah, yeah. that it sounds like you were being pushed to your limits, like you were with the you know, seven sets in four days, but just in a totally different part of your life, if not more, it, it was, more stressful. Yeah. Yeah. It was just a more like a physical thing as well. Cause like mm-hmm. my job's not physically the easiest too. So, I mean, this is in the summer. So it's like, I'm installing showers by myself and I have to go outside and I have to cut metal in 110 degree temperatures. And like the metal gets literally burning hot. And you forget to put your gloves on and you fucking burn your hand. It's like, there's just a million little things that add up that will make you want to break. Mm-hmm. Like it's all the little things, you know? Mm-hmm. But I mean, like I, I was lucky that I had abrasion around where the goal was more or less like as long as I could get in one abrasion show, because 
we dropped our demo in the pandemic in the middle of nothing. Like <laughs> just June, 2020 shows are like, there's articles that shows might not come back for five years. It's like, fuck it. Let's put out our demo. Like, let's just release the demo. Let's see what happens. It's like, well, if we at least get to play a show with that, I'll be happy. And happened so it's like that's kind of the one thing that kept me going you know like abrasion and twist of cane pulled me out of that slump of like quote-unquote like craving normal life right yeah yeah and and i i've definitely needed like the current time of recording this episode because i could be listening this back in five years or someone could be listening to this five years from now but like I'm I'm currently like away from all of my bands and all of my projects and my and my local scene. I'm just kind of on the opposite side of the country right now. And it's like been a lot for me to kind of like not have that normalcy of like being able to just yeah. like go like it's not about playing a hype show and having everyone be like, yo, that's it with set was sick or anything like that. It's just like seeing my people and just like being able yeah. to play music and like you know, sharing that experience. And because I've been removed from that, I've gone to shows here and it's been cool, but I like, I, I saw quickly that as like, these might be my friends that I've made through hardcore, but this isn't my scene. So when you're removed from that, whether it's a pandemic or a move or a family situation, like it eats at you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I can't imagine moving. Like I don't even live in LA, like moving out of California. It's just, I've made a lot of friends touring but I can't imagine not being able to be at midnight hour to watch Vamakara and momentum play. Right. Like the idea of me being home and not being able to go see my friends at a show, the idea of that alone just sucks. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure you're kind of going through it, but also it's probably a moment of personal growth you need. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I appreciate you saying that because that's realistically kind of what it is. There's a lot of, yeah. you know, additional pressures on, on what's going on, but like it's for a reason. And like the, the goal is to be able to like, once I go back to be better than I ever was, but you know, that's easier said than done, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, for um, sure. You mentioned California um, and you mentioned internal affairs a little bit ago. Um, yeah. I want to quickly talk about, a video that went, I would say, like, <laughs> semi-viral <laughs> of you yeah, yeah. Uh, playing, like, the drums for, for yeah. them. And because, uh, yeah. and I only say this because I still get notifications to this day from my comment on, on the yeah. video. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, for, for anyone that doesn't know, there's a, uh, a drum cam video that was filmed by uh, the wonderful Steven from 197 Media. Um, yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> Adam uh, does kind of the intro to a song and then throws uh, a number of sticks like 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 you mean it. Like I, I feel like you were like Ninja Turtles, Raphael, <laughs> like throwing, you know, these just ninja blades. And then, um, yeah. you know, everyone knows that you're a drummer that hits hard. But what was interesting to me is that because I kept watching that video over and over because I thought it was so funny. But what happens is you put you put your sticks down on the floor, Tom. And then you go to throw one and then one bounces down and then you go to grab your sticks and you yeah. realize one is missing. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. This man almost threw one too many sticks away. So. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's just a funny video. It's not something where I'm like 
calculated like, oh, I want to fucking hurt someone. <laughs> it's like I was just, I don't know, man. It's just fucking dumb. No brain, all vibes, brother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just felt like the right thing to do, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, yeah, sometimes there there are certain parts where I'm playing a show where it's like, yeah, this is the point in a set where yeah. maybe I'm doing like it's different when you're playing guitar or you're the vocalist of a band where there's like certain jumps or things like that. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, drum, drummers need some time to to let off some steam, and for you, that's you know just whipping these things on no end. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I let a lot of my daily emotions out on the drums. So. <laughs> you yeah. need to. Yeah, pretty much. Have Have you kept track on your uh, your your because dr- I feel like drummers have the worst and best job of being in a band because you get yeah. to, you know you get to do the the coolest thing, which is like you know, set the, the flow and the beat and the, and the tone of a song, but yeah, everything breaks and you're constantly having to replace things. So yeah. Do you have a running tally of how much shit you've broken over the years or like, is oh, it's dude, it's con- account? <laughs> it's not so much that I keep a running tally. It's just that it's constant. Like right. it, it's truly never ending <laughs> since the time I've started playing in bands in particular because uh that's when i first started really laying into drums because everyone told me like you need to hit hard otherwise we can't hear you so started playing harder than i would at home and then very quickly i realized oh i'm blowing sticks and cymbals left and right <laughs> so it's not been something where i keep a tally like oh yeah i broke this many cymbals whatever like i just fucking break everything <laughs> like it really sucks like it really sucks, but it all breaks. And yeah, that's, I technically don't play proper. Like I play like a fucking idiot sometimes. Like I should not hit the way I do, but also that's, what's fun for me to play. Like it's fun for me to play that way. Right. So I'm just going to keep doing it and deal with the financial setback later. Like <laughs> right. the, the, the amount of sticks is endless. Like for a minute when abrasion and twist of cane were going on tour, it was like, I was breaking three sticks a night not three pairs but three to four sticks a night yeah i was blowing out the bottom snare head just from pumping air through it um symbols are just never ending symbols just go left and right right it just happens like because i play with big i play with larger sticks so symbols just get demolished it is what it is yeah so like for the other drummers who are probably listening to this podcast like what is when you're going to just you're playing one set. It's not a double duty act of any kind, but what, how many backups of sticks, skins, any of that are you bringing? Or is it kind of like, if it breaks, maybe I'll just see if I can use someone else's snare. Like how prepared. No, I, I mean, I panic about a lot of that stuff. Um, surprisingly, I don't really blow a lot of like snare heads, like batter, like the top head. I don't really blow a lot of those for mm-hmm. some reason. Um, I don't really break heads on drums. Sticks, I feel comfortable playing a show with three pairs, so just six sticks. Um, yeah, I don't really bring a whole lot of extra stuff. With stick to your guns, I'm lucky enough to be able to fly with more gear than I kind of need to realistically. Like they have gear over there already that I'm lucky to use as a backup in case something goes wrong. Sure. Back here, I'm just straight up fucking too lazy, man. Like a twisted cane <laughs> plays a <its> show. <laughs> And I blow a snare head. Someone's going to have to let me borrow their shit. Yeah. Like, but I've done that for everybody since I was a kid. You know, I mean, mm. 
it's just the name of the game. You let people borrow your stuff and hope that you could borrow it whenever your stuff breaks. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very much like, you know, the minute it's like, anyone got a guitar? It's like, ev- that should just be the, the bat signal for everyone playing that show to be like, I need to get this man a guitar ASAP and just make I the mean, show keep I, going. I saw the funniest with that happen. I was like, I don't know, maybe 1920. I went and saw, I think it was Lionheart and Warhound in Orange County. And this was when War, when Warhound was kind of going downhill. Okay. When they started to sound like, when they like dropped tune to A. And I remember there were four pieces and the guitar player broke a string. And I think Ronnie was singing at the time. And he hops on the mic and says, yo, does anyone have a seven string tune to A? And the whole crowd is dead quiet. He's like, no one has one. And it's dead quiet. He's like, well, fuck, I guess we're done then after playing two songs. And they just got off stage. Oh, my gosh. That's the worst. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've I've seen, especially at that time, like no hardcore band would like for the life of them to down that low. But now that's a little bit more common. Um, yeah. I, I saw one gear mishap where a band uh, was... Uh, what was it? It was like they had their guitar string broke and they replaced the guitar, but then the amp stopped working. And then they oh, were like, shit. like the input yeah. jack, like something was wrong. And they were like, I guess we're done playing, but they had already played the majority of their set already. But you, you hate to see yeah. when a band literally has no other options. It's like, well, you know, we're not going to yeah. push back every other band on, on this show. So yeah, it's a bummer, but it happens. Do you have any hot takes for drums? I don't know, man. I mean, not really. My thing is, is like, if you're enjoying it and having fun, then fucking cool. Like, <laughs> okay, that's, that, that's it. Like straight up. I mean, there's certain things where I get weird, like seeing people who are like ultra professional in the underground scene, I guess, like what we do mm. that show up like super, super professional. That's kind of funny where it's like, buddy, we're all playing a fucking pizza spot on a thursday night like you don't need to bring the triggers and you don't need to or the double do kick, this or that. two like, kick drums the actual two bass drum setup like i've seen i've seen it all i've seen crazy shit mm-hmm. and it's like you don't need to be that just just enjoy it like mm-hmm. that's kind of my hot take is like i get since my instagram was exposed to people after that internal affairs video I get people left and right in my comments talking shit about how I play. And it's like, that's fine. You're entitled to speak your opinion. But also at the end of the day, I just don't fucking care. Like (laughs) it's not going to stop the way that I play, Hmm. you know, like find your own style, play how you want and just enjoy it. Who cares? You know? So, So people are commenting off of like, Oh, I would do that feel differently or like, Oh, you flubbed this part. Like, are they getting that I, critical about it? I, oh yeah, there's multiple comments on one. Like, there's a video of Twist of Cain playing that I posted where people are straight up like, "You're rushing the click. You're behind on the click. You're playing too many fills." It's okay, like, Professor I just, I just don't like, care. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> also, like, yeah, you're entitled to have that opinion. Like, that's fine. Like, you can say whatever you want. I also just don't care. Right. Like, <laughs> I'm not playing to a click track live with Twist of Cain. Like, I'm not playing to a click track with them. It's going to change 
that's just happens. Like mm-hmm. if you don't have a click track, the tempo is going to change. I play with the click track to Stig and I'm still off of the click sometimes. Like that's just fucking human nature. Right. Like a, a fucking robot is perfectly timed with the click. That's how it goes. Yeah. Like who cares? Like it is what it is. Yeah. And like, you know, before we had any of that fancy tech, like solid bands just needed to practice a ton more yeah. just to be that tight like you know having that slight human error but like you know like hardcore is like i i feel like the percentage of bands in in our space that play to a click is like it's single digits for sure but like it's wild for people to be like that particular about it um just like on the subject of social media because i know that you're someone that like you know drummers have the uh the privilege, I guess, or maybe it's a, a blessing in disguise at times um, with some of these bitch ass haters that, uh, <laughs> that fill the comments. <laughs> but like, you know, I was talking to a, a good friend of mine um, who's helping me do some, some recording. He's a drummer himself. And he's like, I hate that. I, I'm like having to post it, but I know that I have to, because like he's yeah. gotten so much work and so many different opportunities. Cause he's like a hired drummer because he yeah. posts a video of him just like, doing like a quick little beat to something and then there's a cool fill or he's just messing around the kit do you have like a similar approach like because oh yeah i mean yeah dude like i've been in the habit of posting if not drum cams then covers every day or like just even practicing or whatever and like yeah there's an aspect of it that feels really fucking vain like there's something about it where i feel uncomfortable like here's my daily post. Here's my daily video. Like it feels fucking really weird for sure. Like I'm normally not like that before I started taking my uh, recording module with me to shows and on tour, I was posting every other two weeks, three weeks. Like, right. I, I, it feels really weird to be like trying to be drummer guy. Mm. Yeah. But right. also if I can get at least recording work off of it, like session work, then that's helping supplement my income and pay my bills and feed my fucking cats. So like <laughs> I may as well do it in the long run. Like there's no harm that comes from it other than just getting over it in your own head. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah, no. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. It's like literally the the biggest challenge is not like actually doing it it's just like you getting it over and like miss mangling it of what it yeah. might mean to other people or or it's just like yeah you're just like there is like very few people actually go over the first hurdle of like putting themselves out there like putting themselves online in, yeah. in any capacity right um and yeah like i've i've had to go through all like the different comments like you're talking too much you're not letting the person talk no one cares about your bev checks and i'm like you know like go listen to another fucking show then um but like yeah exactly yeah and i think it's i i think what you how you are doing your social and what you're doing it feels very self-aware to me yeah yeah for sure i can't take any of it seriously like i'm not a fucking influencer i'm not gonna be here and be like I love all of you guys. I can't wait to go back out on tour. Like, yeah, I'm excited to go back on tour and I'm going to say it, but also like I've ran out of captions. I'm going to say just dumb shit that comes to mind 
because I just don't know what to fucking say. Like, I don't know how to be clever. I don't know how to put a caption together. That's going to fucking boost engagement. Like (laughs) that's all, that's all rocket science to me. Like none of that shit really. Yeah. You're not going to get like a big led background with a fucking ring light. (laughs) Like, dude, it doesn't calculate in my brain. So it's like, I'm going to write what I'm feeling in that very second. And that's it. Like, Mm. it's all there is, you know? And, and like, again, this kind of goes back to an earlier piece we were talking about where it's like, you can't really like only lig off. uh, You can't continue off of your legacy. If like your, your new shit sucks. There's plenty of drummers that I see in my explore or my for you page or whatever. And then, you know, like did this person actually play in a band and then their band just sucks ass. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sucks so bad. And then it's like, you know, people like, you know, who find out about you, there's like, oh, there's so many great bands uh, to discover, not even just, uh, you know, some of the bigger ones that you play against. So I think it's, it's very important. I think if you're going to do it, like, don't make it fancy, just like start and like get into that process. And like, I think you'll find way more enjoyment in just like the aspect of doing it versus any criticism or jewel or praise that you might get. Exactly. What, what, like you mentioned your module um because something else yeah. that i noticed is like um just like the the quality of some of your videos and there's no mics there's nothing crazy like is there yeah, anything yeah. specific that you're using to kind of get the the crispy quality that you have yeah for sure and like i owe this thing that yamaha made like my career i guess okay like i owe them <laughs> i owe them that because like i'm a caveman when it comes to working logic and computer i don't know how to do any of that mm-hmm. so uh yamaha, yamaha makes a product <laughs> yeah straight up uh yamaha makes a product called the ea eat 10 and it's just a trigger microphone that attaches to your bass drum hoop but the microphone is it's basically like recording a kick trigger audio with a room mic and it hooks up to your bass drum okay so that's and the thing that's nice is that the actual uh, module itself has certain effects. So I always get asked like, oh, how do your drums sound so good with no mics or whatever? And it's all it is, is one microphone capturing everything with just some compression. Because compression literally makes a drum set sound like it was recorded in a great studio. That's all it is. So it's nothing crazy. It's just one microphone. And there's also an app for when I do covers, even though those are kind of few and far between now, but like, they have an app that's extremely user friendly that makes things a breeze basically. Yeah, I might I might do uh some research on that for myself cuz like as someone that, you know, films bands and usually for fests I try to rock some drum cams like right now yeah. I've only used a like a like a video microphone that's like yes. dynamic and it's pointing at it, but I think it would be cool especially if a drum set is like you know, it's the same shell pack for every single band and I could yep. get that set up. Um, yeah. So I might be picking your brain a little bit more after this when it comes to that. Um, of course. Yeah. Um, so I like to ask this question also, Adam, because, you know, this is going back to the, to the stick stuff. Uh, I asked this to Chris and Jesse when they were on the show, cause I've done, you know, sometimes i like to go through the gamut of interviewing every single member of the band so yeah this is yeah for sure three of five potential stick to guns uh but i asked jesse this question for sure do you have a underrated 
Stig song that you learned in, in the discography? And are there any overrated songs? So the songs that you're like, I have to learn this, but I personally don't like playing this. I wouldn't say anything overrated. Uh, I, I basically became a fan while trying out for them because sure. I wasn't familiar with any of it. Like I didn't know it. It just mm-hmm. wasn't in my realm. And then once I started listening, I'm like, fuck, they actually got tracks. They're good. <laughs> uh, I will say, I won't say anything overrated. As far as underrated goes, straight up, like I listened to Comes From The Heart the other day. And while I was learning those songs, I was fucking pissed because the drums are all over the place. Like, it just doesn't make sense, kind of. But then listening back to it, I'm like, yo, there are some genuinely like gnarly songs on there. Right. Like, fucking uh heart from the heartless like the first song the breakdown is fucking insane like i feel like if a young band were to write that now and put it out everyone would be like oh fuck like (laughs) it's it's really like it took me off guard i was like oh fuck they got really heavy stuff Mm -hmm. i would say most of those songs were like abrasively Mm -hmm. heavy so so nothing overrated because you know you've discovered a lot of these tracks even the ones that jesse or 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 chris might say are overrated because they're a lot newer to you yeah they're like they're all still pretty fresh to me yeah so i'm sure at some point i'll be give like, it a year really you'll be like fucking... yo i need to come back on yeah. the pod i have an updated answer yeah yeah exactly it's like do i really have to play nothing you could do to me again like <laughs> do i have to do i have to do that tonight but right now everything's dope like everything Fair. is fun um, speaking of newer music, um, and shifting over to some other bands, um, I know Twisted Kane just put out a, a new single, uh, nothing, yep. uh, built to last pretty recently. Um, do you want to talk about any new things? Cause you know, it's definitely one of your main babies, uh, when it comes to like stuff that you helped build from the ground up, uh, anything you want to talk about new music wise for, for Twist? I'm just working on it, just writing right now. Uh, we keep getting asked if there's like an EP kind of like in the canon ready to go. And I wish I could say there was, but we all have crazy schedules. I tour a lot more now. Josh tours a lot with Momentum and Vamakara, and we're just kind of all over the place. We wanted to make sure that we put out Built to Last in time for the summer, realistically, just for kids to have something new um currently we're in the process of writing we are writing right now cool we're just all very neurotic about what's going to go on the record what's good what's not what do we think's corny what do we think's not corny like how crazy do we want it to be how relaxed do we want it to be it's like we're just kind of in our own heads about it a lot but we are for sure in the writing process right now that's very exciting i remember when josh came on i was like I think Twist of Cain was just one of those like undeniable demos of 2022. And I think you guys have like really shown that you're like, in my opinion, like, cause I know you guys have played a lot outside of California, but I feel like you are like the perfect California local band. If that makes sense. I feel like you guys could be on anything in order to support it and like make it like sick. I mean, yeah, like my running bit is that I wrote the demo by myself, but I didn't, I didn't even play on it. Like that's all Josh. (laughs) So in all seriousness, Josh wrote a demo that's just like so catchy and accessible for almost anyone Mm -hmm. where it's like, 
if you're a fan of Madball or if you're a fan of like Fury or Freedom or even like a God's Hate or whatever, there's literally something there for just about everybody. So we've gotten lucky that we're able to play shows with melodic bands. Like we can play with Stick to Your Guns and then we can go and play with Out of Pocket and Tsunami. Like right. we're lucky to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, when it comes to new things for Abrasion, is it a similar thing as far as we're, do we're doing stuff, but we can't talk about it? But it's not that we can't talk about it. I mean, we got two new songs completely demoed out. Um, we got rough vocals, rough instruments, all that fun stuff. Uh, realistically, we just need to lock down a recording date. Uh, Angel and I are both busy. Angel is a tattoo apprentice now. Yeah. So a lot of his time is kind of locked down in practicing his craft. Jesse tours a lot doing merch and working for a million different bands. <laughs> and then obviously I have my commitments. So we're just kind of, uh, we're not taking a break, but we're just figuring out what the next move kind of is. Right. If that makes sense. Totally. Like we're all just scatterbrained and all over the place trying to figure shit out kind of right now. Yeah. But there are two new songs literally just ready to go that need to be recorded that are my favorite abrasion songs. We just need to stop being lazy and record them pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes when when a when a person has like if you're looking at their hardcore resume, like, you know, someone's looking at the title of this episode and they're seeing all the specific bands that you're playing in. Maybe not yeah. all of those are we're practicing once a week because li literally you would have seven days of band practice uh, every single week. Exactly. But, you know, sometimes yeah. it's like, okay, this band, I need to focus on it a little bit more because we have this release or we have this deadline that we're trying to hit. And some it's like, yeah, this could be on pause or be in neutral at the very least for a few months while I'm focusing on this. And it kind of just jumps back to Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um. No, no plans for new bands, right? For new bands? Yeah. Like making a new band? Fuck, I, I hope not. <laughs> um, I don't know. There's like, there's a million things that I want to do. I'll just, I'll do them at some point. Mm -hmm. I know I will. It's just right now I'm taking time to kind of just enjoy what I'm doing. Yeah. Which that makes should. sense. Like I, how we talked about even catching if you a said, breath. I'm thinking about doing this. I'd be like, Adam, don't. Don't do it. Yeah. You got too many things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've told my wife before, like, I want to try and play for this band. She's like, you're fucking crazy. There's too much going on already. I'm like, right. yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, you're right. All right. Um, Adam, before we wrap up, I always ask the same um, kind of outro question uh, for all the episodes. Yeah. Um, tell me a favorite Mosh-related story that you would like to end on. So that could be yeah. wholesome, gruesome, something that happened to you, something that you did at a show you were playing or not, whatever's first to your mind. I mean, I've been playing shows for 15 years now. I've seen a lot of wild shit. Like I've seen like a dude get dragged out of Shea Cafe and his kneecap did like the Mr. Deeds thing. Like, you know how homie like grabs his knee and like moves it? His kneecap oh. was like, like almost sideways. I was like, oh, that's wild. But the absolute gnarliest thing I've ever seen, uh, One Choice toured Mexico with Rotting Out in 2013. So this is like right after The Wrong Way came out. 
We're in Mexico City. It's the last night of tour. It's fucking crazy. There's like 800 kids in a warehouse. It, you can't breathe in the room. It's insane. Some dude jumps off the stage. And the next thing you know, all music is stopped. Everything is done. Everyone's quiet. And there's just a hole of kids. I'm like, well, I kind of want to see what's going on. So I walk up and this guy is just like comatose asleep on the floor. Like no blood, just comatose. And then I don't speak Spanish. So I'm just listening to everyone trying to ask people in English, like what is happening? Right. They're like, oh, he stage dove. And uh, they're trying to figure out like why he won't wake up. And then sure enough, someone actually tells me in English, like, yeah, like we just checked his pulse. Like he's fucking like, he's not alive right now. Like he's fucking dead. And I'm like, no way. Like that's no. kind of crazy. So then. Death by stage dive. Well, I, I need to so, see how this well, story plays out. <laughs> so it's still going. So basically at that point, someone's like, get the fuck out of the way. And someone starts giving him CPR. And for some reason, they like, obviously in the medical field, you kind of strip people down. Sometimes you have to. Right. So they pulled his shirt off. All right. That makes sense. And then they just fucking pull his pants and underwear off and just lift his legs and ass up off the floor. Like the circulation thing, I understand. Like lift his legs up. Sure. But you, he's just dick out getting CPR now. Like, yeah, it, it was fucking obscene. It was weird. <laughs> So next thing you know, some other kid runs up and is like, and waving his hands like, no, no, no. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. And this kid pulled me aside and said that he was like the local resident drug dealer guy that has been responsible for like people ODing and like he fucking pistol whipped the kid outside of the show. And the kid was basically telling them like, let him die. Oh my God. And it, it became this weird back and forth telephone game where I'm like standing here like this. And then George and Walter from rotting out are like, what's happening? So right. I'm just like running back and forth. Like he's dead. They're giving him CPR. He sells oh, his drugs. Dick's out. Like <laughs> his dick's out. Like there's a lot going on right now. And then out of nowhere, it's like Pulp Fiction just fucking jumps up off the floor awake. Just oh my. dick out, pants around his ankles, and just pulls his shit up and just leaves the venue. And then they finish the set. I wonder where he's like, at right it, now. I, I have no idea, honestly. It was still the craziest thing I've ever seen at a show. That might be one of the strangest mosh stories that has ever been told here on the show. I do. Believe me, it felt unreal being there. Right. Like, I wish I could say I was exaggerating or making these details up. Right. But, like, this shit just happened. You're like, like where's Ashton <laughs> Kutcher? Like, where's the cameras? Like, uh, Yeah, it was unreal. Man. Well, I I was... You had, like... I thought that we already hit the, the punchline, but there was even more <laughs> to the story. Oh, no, yeah. That's crazy, yeah. dude. Yeah. Man. I had you in the first half. Yeah, you really did. You really did. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I am, again, that curiosity of how many people actually know cpr but that that guy knew a different kind of cpr and i guess not one that i would recommend uh for a hardcore show yeah for sure yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, adam 
It's been really great to finally do this. I know we've been, you know, having almost like very conflicting schedules, but I'm, I'm glad that we finally got yeah. to sit, sit down and do this. Um, all the links to your stuff and all the bands that you're a part of will be in the description in the show notes. Uh, anything you want to send the people off with anything you want to plug or anything you want to shout out? Yeah. Um, two things. One, if you have any extra means or time, uh, try and donate whatever you can to year of the knife. Right now, they're currently going through one of the worst things I could possibly ever imagine as a married man. Um, it's something that no one would ever want to hope for, hope for, or imagine. Just try and send as many resources as you can, even well wishes, and uh, just reach out to people you care about. I guess. I mean, it's I don't know kind of that simple take care of your loved ones and then try and help out the band in need yeah I, everyone's scene is kind of like the scene's very tight-knit so i mean these are people that you could meet just walking around at a venue that are going through some of the worst shit you could imagine you know yeah so. I, I can't even i can't even imagine the the stress and i can't imagine what the, that whole camp is going through right now and uh yeah like we had Joe on and, you know, it, it came up that like, oh, like you're the knife's got not going to play this hardcore. And I, I felt even like weird to even like bring it up, but like he helped kind of be like, no, it's like, it would be a post, uh, like it would be absolutely insane yeah. if anyone was going to expect them or like, you know, be surprised by any of that. Like it's, it's literally one of those yeah. moments where it's like, f like, put everything musically aside and let's just focus on like making sure this person gets back on her feet, you know, like, no, it's... I mean, I, I completely agree. I mean, not to switch gears on the same boat, like stick to your guns is going to announce the diamond anniversary tour by the time this comes out. Yes. So full album, four bands, but two of four was year of the knife. Oh, really? Oh, Okay. So now we're all in a position where it's like, fuck the tour. We kind of need to take, care. <laughs> we need to make sure they're taken care of, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's one of those hurdles that everyone's going to have to overcome, you know? Yeah. Like it's just missed opportunities left and right. Yeah. And, and like, just to continue on what Adam is saying, it's like, if you saw it the first time, like when it was initially posted and you still like, you still see it on your feed even like weeks after continue to share it because like this is an ongoing thing that like yeah their entire family will have to deal with and it's yeah if you have some extra money at work or like whatever you can do like you know i know scoped has has um sent some money my way and i'm almost in a in a mo mode of you know seeing if we can send any more because like to to see to just like try to imagine like myself in their shoes. It's like, I, I couldn't, yeah. I, I, I can't, I can't, it, it's just too, yeah too much. And like, I think that is like a huge thing with like hardcore is like, you know, when you give so much to like a, like not even just a community, but literally a family. And then you go through a really hard time of, of any magnitude and people and bands and record labels want to rally behind you to make sure that you're okay. Like, that's yeah that's beautiful so definitely make sure yeah. 
um, that that will be the first of many links for for y'all to check out for this episode. Um, who else is playing? Yeah, that being uh, said, yeah. Oh, sorry, real quick. I was gonna say this doesn't have to be all doom and gloom either. Like, I don't want to end this on like a sad note, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, the amount of support that they've been shown is fucking beautiful, and it seems like based off of the updates that Maddie is improving. Mm-hmm. So it's not all doom and gloom. Like there is hope. And if everyone just pushes forward, it seems like they're, I personally believe they're going to pull out great. Very I think much so. I'm hoping and manifesting that they're going to do it. Yeah. If that makes sense. We got to be some kind of hope, right? Hey, there you go. There we just circle, <laughs> circle back around. Um, yeah. Yes, so uh, make sure uh, if you're seeing stick to your guns this year, Go, go say what's up to Adam. Uh, make sure you bring him some cold brew. Um, dude, I really hope that we get to cross paths sooner than later again. I know that Scoped has filmed a few shows, but I wasn't in attendance. Yeah. But it is very much on my list to see you rocking the drums for, again, one of my earliest, like, first kind yeah. of hardcore bands. So I uh, really appreciate your time, and thanks again for coming on the pod. It was really fun. Of course. Of course. Thank you so much for having me on. Um yeah, if you guys are around, whatever, in the fall, uh, stick to your guns, come back, kid, orthodox, spirit world. Stick to your guns playing all of Diamond and then some. So That is a badass tour. God damn. Yeah, yeah, the lineup's sick, for sure. Literally, I love every single one of those bands, like, with my chest. Like, Fuck yeah. Man. Fuck yeah. Well, I'll probably talk to you about dates after this, but again, yeah, of thanks course. for coming on, bro. This is fun. Awesome.